It's the third inning and I'm drunk already. (laughs) Hey. For the first time since the 1981 and the 1982 baseball seasons, the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be in the playoffs for the second consecutive year. That warms my heart so much. And they did it without their best player. They did it this year without their best pitcher for half the season. Um, they did it without one of their big relievers. Corey Knebel had Tommy John surgery before the season even started, ruling him out for the year. Their best pitcher was Brandon Woodruff, who was an all-star, obviously at the all-star break, and then something happened to his elbow, and he just got back last week. And of course, we all know in September, the Brewers uh, have gone 17-2 and in the month of September. They were seven and a half games back of the first place St. Louis Cardinals in the National League Central on September 1, and here we are. The end of September is on Monday, and the Brewers are going to the postseason. And as we sit here and broadcast, Chris and I, on Thursday, the Brewers are only one and a half games out of first place to win the division title and are only one game back of at least having the home field for the wild card game next Tuesday. So unbelievable job by the Milwaukee Brewers for clinching their second consecutive playoff appearance. And the best part about it, folks, besides... I'm from Wisconsin, this is awesome, hoorah-rah, is that while they were winning and, and, and gaining their ticket into the postseason last week, in the same game, they eliminated the New York Mets and the Chicago Cubs. Wow. And there ain't anything better than eliminating the fucking Chicago Cubs. So congratulations to the Brewers. The Brewers, you know, to go 17-2 and at the major league level, over the last course of the of the, the last month of the season is an unbelievable accomplishment. Twelve and two again without Kristen Yelich, their MVP right fielder. They potentially will run out of gas sometime. Um, I think that they'll win the wild card game because how I mean look how hot they've been. But ultimately, if they win the wild card, they would play the National League best Los Angeles Dodgers again in the division series. It would be best of five starting in Los Angeles next Wednesday. And do you really think the Brewers could overtake a team that could win as many as 105 games this year? Probably not. But for the Brewers to make the postseason, being seven and a half games out on September 1st is a hell of an accomplishment. And on top of everything else, they eliminated the fucking Cubs. Great day in Brewer baseball. You know what I have to say, what's striking about what you said there is I don't think I've ever heard anyone say they hate the Cubs or the fucking Cubs. And that may sound funny to you, but out here in Calgary, it's not exactly big baseball area, really. If there is people like the Jays and there's no real big, you know, all dynamics with there. Up here, like all you hear about is, oh, the Cubs, you know, they didn't win for 108 years and they're lovable and Harry Carey here, you know, and Will Ferrell doing this. Have you seen Will Ferrell? I gotta find that. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. Oh, are you kidding? I've never seen that. Oh, it's so... 
you think about how ridiculous Harry Carey is already, right. then take an extremely over-the-top version of that, yeah. and that's Will Ferrell's doing. Oh, that's I got to see that. That's one of his things that he got famous it's doing. It's the third inning, and I'm drunk already. <laughs> yeah. makes- a one, a two. I forgot the third number. <laughs> He, he basically, like, he just shakes the whole time, and he just says, Hey, Harry oh, you know, Carey You know, here. the funny thing is, this is the honest God truth. Yeah. At one time, Joe Buck's dad, um, the Mr. Buck, the real Buck, uh, I can't remember his Jack name. Jack Buck? Thank you. Very good. Jack Buck and Harry Carey were in the same booth calling St. Louis Cardinals games. That's That's pretty powerful in your... Radio broadcast booth. And then ultimately, the reason Harry Carey ended up in Chicago was that he drank himself out of St. Louis. Wow. And remember, the team, the, 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 the uh, ownership team, the ownership group of the St. Louis Cardinals is the Bush Brewery, Anheuser Bush. <laughs> it's the Bush family. It's Bush Stadium, for Christ's sake. And Harry Carey basically got excommunicated out of St. Louis because he was drunk all the time. And he took his travel and road show. 600 miles north to Chicago and became a legend with the Cubs. So um, it's just, here's the thing. It's the same thing in regard to, and I understand what you're talking about in Western Canada, but when you're in Wisconsin and your bitter rivals are to the south, and remember at um, the Cubs and Brewers were not rivals until 97 because in, up until 1997, the Brewers were in the American League. They didn't come to the National League until 97. And Bud Light, got them switched over to the National League to even up the numbers. And the thing about it was there wasn't there wasn't a rivalry. And at the time the Brewers were dog shit. They were terrible. And because the Cubs are so popular and there's only 34,000 seats or so in Wrigley Field, when the Cubs would then play the Brewers 19 times a year, at least 9 or 10 games in Milwaukee, they would start calling Miller Park Wrigley North. And that pissed people off in Milwaukee because the Brewers were terrible. And but when the Cubs came to town, all the seats would be filled with Cubs fans, and it was just ridiculous. So for us to be able to eliminate the Cubs two years in a row, last year we screwed them out at the end of a division championship. Um, we beat them in that 163rd game last year to win the National League Central Division title, and this year to eliminate them straight out. Beautiful times. There are a lot of people in Milwaukee last night that were drunk. And they were calling in sick this morning because of the success of the Milwaukee Brewers last night in Cincinnati, beating the Reds 9-2 while eliminating the New York Mets and the Chicago Cubs at the same time. Wow, yeah. And they're just, they seem like this lovable team. And they wear like, oh, blue, like this tame color. And then they're called the Cubs, which are baby bears. Like, it's just like, how do you hate this team? It just seems weird. But yeah, I guess if they're a division rival, I mean, sure. Also, congratulations to the Minnesota Twins on winning their first American League Central crown since 2010. Great job by the Twins. Last year, they were terrible. They fired manager Paul Molitor, and all of a sudden, they hire somebody else. And I don't even know who the Twins manager is. I don't know. But they bring in a bunch of big boppers, and all of a sudden, here they are. The only position still to be filled is the American League wildcard game. Right now, the Oakland A's have a one-game lead over the Uh, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Cleveland Indians. And it's sad, but true. One of those two teams, the Rays or the Indians, both have won over 90 games, and one of them aren't going to see the postseason. 
Yeah, I've heard you. Uh, there could be a there could be a winner of ninety seven games. I think that could miss the playoffs yeah. at this point, which is just absurd. Really, it reminds me of when the Patriots, when Tom Brady got hurt in the first quarter of the first game of the year in 08, and then they had Matt Castle, and somehow still went eleven and five, but did miss the playoffs. They're just, still not as know. bad. You'll get a kick out of this. You'll nineteen ninety three. At that time, they didn't have wild card. They just had four divisions. Four division champions, two in the American League, two in the National League, or whatever it was, doesn't matter. But they didn't have wild card, and the only guys that got into the postseason were guys that won their respective divisions. In 1993, the Atlanta Braves um, won 103 games, won the National League West, but in second place was the San Francisco Giants. So, funny how San Francisco, or excuse me, Atlanta is considered in the National League West at the time geographically speaking that's totally wrong how can georgia be in the national league west but it was but here's the thing dusty baker's team barry bonds matt williams really good team they ended up winning 101 games didn't see the postseason yeah i don't see how someone didn't fix this a long time ago in baseball a million regular season games and then hardly anyone makes the playoffs it doesn't make any sense it's so ridiculous there i I don't know like at, at least they got interleague play but i can't believe it took them so long to get that so yeah, I, I don't know. Baseball, boy, they sure take their time changing anything. Well, in baseball, I, I have to admit, and you know my, my feeling about the 1994 World Series and the canceling of it and, the, and uh, how it screwed the Montreal Expos and how the Expos, I believe, if, if the 94 World Series was, was to be played and scheduled to be played like it should have been, I believe the Expos not only win the World Series, but you'd still have a team in Montreal playing in a brand new downtown Montreal Stadium if they would have been allowed to finish that year. I really believe that in my heart of hearts. And it was only after that colossal screw-up by Bud Selig and the rest of his team at Major League Baseball in New York, all of a sudden in 95 you started to see interleague interleague baseball play. And then in the late 90s they bring in the wild card, which was great innovation for the game of baseball. Unfortunately, it was a little bit too late. Yeah, yeah, it really was. So I, I'm, I'm still shocked that they got replay, to be honest. But it, they replay, it, it, it is important. Uh, but they just need to replace the umps completely because they, they're just so bad at this point. And of course, they need a shot clock, and they, they need to do both of those right now. No question, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, while we're on baseball, real quick, um, and then I want to get to some good stuff. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred is considering changes to the baseball itself. Now remember, this year, with still a month to go, the guy in Baltimore, Jonathan Villar, hit a home run, and that put the total number of home runs for the season over the all-time record, and they still had like 30 games. It was it was at the end of August when that happened. So, you know, you heard Justin Verlander talk about it. You've heard Chris and I talk about it, that we all think the baseball is juiced. It's flying out of the baseballs. And the baseball is flying out of stadiums now. Um, you know, again, to beat the all-time season record for total home runs with all the teams in Major League Baseball with 30 games still to go on the docket is ridiculous. And something has to be done. I totally agree with that. Manfred is at least looking into it. He didn't describe what the changes he's looking at. He has supposedly consulted some guys at MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, to try to figure out what we can do to basically deaden the baseball a little bit. But there's supposed to be a new report out after the conclusion of the World Series. So 
I don't know what they're going to do, but at least baseball is going to try to address it because you have some unbelievable pitchers with ERAs that are astronomical this year that usually aren't, you know, home run fly ball pitchers and the balls are just flying out of Major League Baseball stadiums. I don't mind it, but then you go back and you've got to wonder, are they juicing again? Because, and the funny thing is, even when they were juicing, all those meatheads like Chris's famous and favorite Rafael Palmero and all the rest of those leadheads, my favorite, Alex Rodriguez, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, and Sammy Sosa. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, absolutely. The leadhead from the, from the West Coast. But the funny thing to me is, with all those leadheads juicing, and that was the time when McGuire put up 71 year, Bonds put up 73, Sammy Sosa had a 66 and 68 season home run, uh, home run season, and the all-time record didn't get busted during that time. So I'm thinking they're juicing again. I don't think it's the ball. I think it's the players. But what do I know? All I know is that baseball is looking into it, and it'll be interesting to see when they come out with this uh, study after the World Series. Interesting. Um, National Football League. Biggest news of the day that I found, and we thank you again for joining us on this 397th episode of Unscripted, coming up on the magic number 400. Um, The National Football League, Jane Goodell's husband, Jane Goodell's wife, Jane Goodell's husband, (laughs) Jane Goodell's bitch, uh, made some news on Thursday morning. Um, in consultation with Mo Smith and the Players Association, the NFL has decided to drop a proposal for an 18-game season. The players uh, were against it. So surprisingly, the players were against it. The owners were, ex- were against it because if it would have gone through, the owners were going to mandate that 16-game thing where players were only eligible to play in 16 games. They'd have two games off, which I thought was ludicrous. So the NFL has dropped the proposal for an 18-game season. They're now focused on a 17-game regular season and dropping one or two preseason games. Your thoughts, sir? Well, there's, <laughs> we couldn't agree more with dropping one or two preseason games no matter what else Got they that, do. Right? Even if they do nothing else, I hope they do that. But, I mean, boy, this is tough. The more games... the you know, more excited the fans will be, more betting opportunities I'll get. I, you know, I can't, and fantasy and everything, like I can't, uh, being really selfish, I can't really say anything against it, but I don't know, like they already went from 14 to 16 a number of years ago and it already changes the records and everything. And I think I'd like some sort of continuity with the records there to a degree. I think that would be good. 16 does seem like such a good number. Going to an odd number of games would be, well, odd. And I don't know if it's really necessary. Definitely get rid of preseason games, 100%. Uh, And for my own selfish reasons, yeah, I'd love an extra week of NFL, but I'm not sure if it's really the right decision. And I think it's just going to really hurt the history of the game in a way by getting rid of the continuity of the records. That's a great point. I I do think that um, we do need to find some resolution to the preseason games. I just, the exhibition season games, they're comical. They don't really serve a purpose. The only purposes that they serve is, again, guys looking for a roster spot between roster spots 23 and 53. I think that's what those games are for. Um, I just, it's, it's difficult. I would think 
I know for me it would be. I think I'm. I'm. I don't want, ever want to speak for Chris, but I think it would be difficult for Chris, like me, to pay regular season prices to watch an exhibition game when you're not going to get to watch the guys that you want to go watch anyway. Um, I just think they've got to come up with something. I think that obviously they're being they're discussing it. It's all part of the gamesmanship, I think, between now and the end of the current collective bargaining agreement, which is the end of the 2021 season. This is what they call posturing between the NFL, the owners, and the NFL Players Association. But something does need to be done. I have no problem with 16 games. I have no problem, and for all the reasons that Chris said. And again, we went from 14 to 16 in 1978. So we've been at 16 now for almost over 40 years. I think it's okay to keep it at 16, but I have zero problems. None, zip, nada, no problems with going down to two exhibition games as per Messrs. McVay, Shanahan, and Vic Fangio were talking about in the preseason. They would use one to knock the rust off from their team, you know, from last year, and then use the second one as a tryout for basically, again, not to sound repetitive, but for roster spots 23 to 53. You know who your 22 guys are going to be. Allow that second preseason exhibition, whatever the hell they want to call it, leave that for the guys that are on the bubble on a roster spot and let them fight for it. But as for the stars... I don't think they should see the preseason. They should be on the field ready to go week one. And I also believe in my heart of hearts that I think they get a lot more done when you have those team practices. I really do. I don't, I, 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 Green Bay had not done it for years. They did it this year with Houston. There were some problems, obviously, but ultimately I think they get more done in that kind of supervision in regard to you've got a full refereeing crew there, plus you've got both coaching staffs on the field. And I think that they potentially get more done work-wise and maybe they have less. There's never a full, you know, there's, they're always worried about injuries, but I think there's less chance of serious injury if you've got referees and coaching staffs on the field at the same time. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that that's the way to go instead of all these preseason games. Four is way too many. Three makes no sense because then you have a an uh, you know unaligned number of home versus away. You one wouldn't be enough because then some people wouldn't get any home games. So I would go two is the perfect number, honestly, because then everyone gets one home game and one away. And I think that's probably the way to go. I mean, if I guess the home thing doesn't matter that much. If they were hell bent on a one game preseason, I'd be okay with that. And I think zero game preseason probably isn't the best either. So yeah, I think two games is right. It's not too much of a problem to be had with two games. But yeah, I think joint practices are the way of the future. And for all the reasons you said, I think they're a great idea. The CFL does it right, folks. They have two preseason games. Just like as Chris had just mentioned, they have one, one, each team gets a home, a home preseason game and an away preseason game. They're there to knock the rust off and then they start lacing it up for real. And I think two is the magic number here. I really do. Um, also from the National Football League, since we're talking about it, Melvin Gordon, former Wisconsin star, once ran for 408 yards in a collegiate game against Nebraska. Jeez. Oh yeah. And he, and here's the thing. He did it in three quarters. They rested him the fourth quarter. He gained his 408th yard. He put the ends, he put the uh, scored a touchdown to put Wisconsin up 62 to seven or something like that. And at that time, the coach uh, was Paul Christ, and uh, they put him on the bench. Or maybe that time it was Gary Anderson. Doesn't matter. 
the bottom line here, the guy had 408 yards in a collegiate game. What's the record for rushing? Well, that was the record. But the funny thing is that same day, this was in October of 14, the same day some kid from another school, not a not a Big Ten school, not a Power Five conference, but still a hell of an accomplishment. He went for 420 some, and Melvin Gordon had the had the record for about two hours. Oh, it was wow. funny because previous to that, Ladanian Tomlinson, when he was at TCU, had the record. He had the record for over a decade, and then all of a sudden, Melvin Gordon became the first guy to go over 400 400 yards in a collegiate game, and then two hours later, some other kid does it. And uh, the record belongs to the other kid, but hell of an accomplishment. What I'm getting at is Melvin Gordon has been sitting out, sat out the preseason, sat out the exhibition season, and now has sat out, what, the first three games of the NFL season. He asked for to be paid on the same level of a Le'Veon Bell, the same level of a Todd Gurley. Oh, I got to make one note. I was very happy to hear this that McVeigh thinks that Gurley is going to be good for at least 25 carries this week, and that's good because that means that Todd Gurley is healthy or getting healthier again, so that was good. I know I'm getting off track here, because, but I love Todd Gurley, and if Todd Gurley is healthy, I do believe in my heart of hearts there's a different outcome in last February's Super Bowl, and that's not blowing smoke up Greg's ass. That's not blowing smoke up your ass. That's the truth. Um, Melvin Gordon has ended his holdout on Thursday morning and reported to the uh, Chargers facilities in La Jolla, California on Thursday morning. He won't play on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins, which is probably a shame. He could go for a buck 50 and he wouldn't have to, even have to warm up. But he won't play Sunday. They're looking for next week, week five, when they play the Denver Broncos. But Gordon also made mention, as he reported this morning, this was kind of funny, I'm here, but I'm leaving at the end of the season. <laughs> He had made mention when he reported this morning, officially reported Thursday morning to the Chargers, that he told the Chargers administration, and this was pretty much a shot at the general manager, Tom Telesco, I think that's his name. Yeah, that's his name. And uh, this was a shot at him that he plans to move on from the Chargers at the end of this current season. Yeah, well, I mean, they've been having no shortage of great running uh, backs there with Justin Jackson and especially Austin Eckler. So, and, and I mean, especially in the face of no O-line, that's been extra impressive that those two have done such a good job. So that's great. You know, maybe if I am Telesco, maybe I try to trade like Melvin Gordon for Todd Gurley or something like that, but who knows? But anyway, no, I think I think that's the least of his problems. There's lots of other holes to fill in the lineup, so I don't think that's the problem. But yeah, Melvin Gordon, I mean, he has the right to move on, and I think that's going to be really interesting. He will be the crown jewel of the offseason, I would assume. It's going to be very interesting to see who... Uh, gets him because I'm going to assume it's not going to be a, a team like the Jets who got Le'Veon and, you know, made them better. But it, I think I, I picture him going to a team, you know, like that's already really good and it's just going to put them over the top. I, Guess what? what they want in Green Bay. What? They want Melvin Gordon. Do they? Not I, the not the Packers, not the organization, because that would be considered tampering. Yeah, they yeah. came out and they can't say that. But a columnist in Green Bay this morning had a paper, had an article about in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that the Packers are a logical destination for Melvin Gordon to come home. He's originally from Milwaukee. Uh, I don't see that happening with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams yeah. already in Green Bay. 
Yeah, but first of all, that well, that, that's a whole other thing. There, Jamal, this whole thing that Matt Lafleur wants them to get equal touches—that's rid- bullshit. That's bullshit. I mean, I great. I get that Jamal Williams is a good run blocker, but this whole thing with even up the touches, people are just freaking out. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? These coaches almost need to start listening to fantasy players a bit more. Like with Matt Nagy, you know, hardly giving David Montgomery any touches. I mean, I know Tariq Cohen's good, but giving you know the other backup giving him a million touches. Mike Davis is the other one, or. Yeah, Mike Davis, like in week one. In Chicago, got, yeah, 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 got yeah. All these, yeah. yeah, I mean, these guys are like, come on, when you've got a good back, you ride them, and uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing. But yeah, Melvin Gordon going back to his Wisconsin roots would be a really nice combination there for sure. So that'd be really cool. But uh, I don't, yeah, it's a shame he gets to miss out uh, this weekend, or else maybe he'd go for 408 and it'd be 62 to 7 again. <laughs> and then it'd be halftime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this one kind of surprises me a little bit i mentioned it when chris and i were going through our picks uh obviously specifically the jacksonville denver game but jalen ramsey all know him young talented he really is a very good corner i don't think he's the sharpest knife in a drawer but in regard to his physical ability on a football field this guy is really good jalen ramsey he of course is unless you've been sleeping or under living under a rock for the last two or three weeks. He has asked for a trade from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He felt disrespected in a conversation with general manager uh, Dave Caldwell and a senior advisor, whatever the hell Tom Coughlin's uh, title is down there oh, yeah, in whatever. whatever it is. I don't know, head of football operations, whatever it is. But Ramsey had a discussion with those two after his, he remember he, a couple of weeks ago, he had the blow up with baloney boy on the sidelines. And then after the game, there was a conversation between David Caldwell, the general manager and Tom Coughlin. And supposedly after the conversation, he wasn't so pissed off at, at baloney boy Marone. He was more pissed off at the other two about the disrespect that they showed this young man. But he has asked for a trade. The owner, Shad Khan, who's a guy I think is, I think he's a credible guy. I think he's an honorable guy. I think he's a good businessman, obviously, of all the things that he owns. Um, his son has done a great job with elite wrestling, as Chris is a big fan of. So obviously they know what the hell they're doing. Shad Khan understands also, and that's why he's a good businessman, he understands quality. And he's got one of the best cover corners in the National Football League right now on his roster. And he has come out and said that he would like to make Jalen Ro- Jalen Ramsey, excuse me, the highest paid corner in the National Football League. Well, obviously that hasn't been enough to entice Ramsey to take back his trade request. But this week, he played last week in that Thursday night game with Tennessee which surprised me. I didn't think he would do that, but he manned up and he said, I'm going to be there. I'm on the roster. I'll play. He did and did a nice job. And uh, surprisingly to me, Jacksonville beats Tennessee. But this week, Monday, the the fun started. The fireworks really started. On Monday, Jalen Ramsey calls into the team headquarters and says, I'm sick. I'm not practicing on Monday. I'm staying home. I'm calling in sick. Okay. They asked Baloney Boy about it. And he says, yeah, well, if he says he's sick, he's sick. End of comment. Then Tuesday, he comes back and says that uh, my excuse today, he didn't probably say that, but I'm not practicing on Tuesday because I have a sore back. Well, again, he did come into the team facilities and did get treatment on his back. So there's some legitimacy there. 
But then on yesterday and Wednesday, the new excuse number three. And I didn't even know, A, that this young man had a girlfriend, or maybe it's his wife. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not, 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 not being a smart ass here, not, not making a joke. I don't know. But he comes back on Wednesday and says he is leaving the team for the birth of his child, and he will return when I'm damn good and ready. I respect Shad Khan. I respect, I think, your name, I think you told me it's Tony Khan mm-hmm. is his son with what he's done with elite wrestling. They're businessmen, and they're very successful and good at what they do. But I think moving forward, if you're going to keep Baloney Boy as the coach, and you're going to keep Tom Coughlin in his current role, and you're going to keep David Caldwell in his current role in Jacksonville, then I think they've got to start taking offers to trade Mr. Ramsey out of town. This can't survive. He can't survive, and the team can't survive with all this extra drama bullshit around the Jacksonville Jaguars headquarters. I was on Twitter today, and I saw something interesting I wanted to share. This is a bit of a preview for Freeform Friday, but uh, I really like Tony Khan. He seems like a really sharp dude. I think he's in his mid-30s, things younger than me, and uh, does all sorts of stuff there. Definitely the head of All Elite Wrestling. I think that's more his thing than his dad's. But anyway, so someone named Eugene Frenette at Gene Frenette, who describes himself as a sports columnist, appears to work for AM930 The Game, Jacksonville's sports leader. Is the tagline there. So he had a tweet today that Tony Khan responded to. So Eugene Frenette said, How much more of a fiasco can this Jaguars versus Ramsey become? I'm all for anybody getting time off for the birth of their child, but is Jalen's girlfriend actually in labor? Or is this just a convenient excuse for Ramsey to be out of the team's crosshairs for a week or more? So Tony Khan responded, and uh, not towing the you know line of you know getting upset at the player or anything like that, Tony Khan said, That is an appalling tweet, Gene. That is way out of line. You have no business questioning someone's family. Well, and again, I think that just shows that the cons have a sense of family. They have a sense of responsibility. I think that if you are a professional athlete, and especially of a football player or a soccer player in regard to Mr. Khan owning owning the soccer team over in the Premier League, you would want to play for a guy like or play for a family like the Khan family. So I'm very impressed by Tony and what I've learned from you. And, and I learned a lot just there from that tweet that we don't put our laundry out in, in, the, in, in the mass media. And, you know, we know that there's something, obviously they know there's something going on with Jalen Ramsey, but they're trying to keep it business. They're trying to keep it professional. And again, um, much kudos to the Khan family. Got to be a difficult situation. Uh, but they're they're doing the best that they can. I think they've done a terrific job. Uh, they they bring in uh, Nick Foles to come in to come in and be their quarterback, and he gets hurt first half of the first game. And this uh, Minshew guy has done a great job in Washington State. That's a lot of credit to the coaching staff of the Jacksonville Jaguars because this guy Minshew wasn't even a starter all four years that he was at Washington State. So um, you know what? There's a lot of owners in the National Football League that uh, you wouldn't play for, I would think, just because of reputation probably more than anything. But I think a lot of players would like the opportunity someday to play for the Con family in Jacksonville because I think they'd get a fair deal there at the very least. Um, I agree. You don't, you don't screw with family. Um, the, the illness, eh, a little iffy. The back problem supposedly was legit. And then all of a sudden he's – but again – um, 
trying to be the bigger man, I guess, in the situation is what I'm trying to say there. And I'm very, uh, very appreciative of the Khan family, both the father and the son. Um, we've got to run on this uh, 397th episode of Unscripted. We thank all of you for joining us and uh, certainly hope that you continue to do so. And I do want to send out a quick thank you to the guys at your football um, Walter Football. Walter Football. I saw the comment uh, that Chris had made them aware about Unscripted MC, and I'm very appreciative of the blurb that I read. And uh, the guy made mention that our podcast was one that uh, is worth listening to, and I truly appreciate that. Um, Chris and I have worked, and a lot harder Chris has worked, to get us to where we are now. And uh, I truly appreciate that Chris sought this out and I'm appreciate, appreciative that this guy made the comment that uh, this podcast is something that's worth listening to. That meant a lot to me because it means that a professional that we don't know or I don't know from Adam has listened to our program and approves of what we're doing. And uh, that meant a lot to me. And I thank Chris for taking the time to do that. But I'm also thankful to the gentleman at Walter Football for putting that comment in there. It meant a lot to me. And I thank you for that. We've got to run again on this 397th episode of Unscripted. We thank you for participating and hope that you continue to do so. For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.